Hey friends, it's Mark James and today is Wednesday the 7th of February and I am officially two entire solid months of not missing podcasts. I think it's even been possibly longer than that, I don't know. But I've done every single week. Is this eight weeks in a row? I don't know. But either way, I'm here. How's it going? I'm currently sitting on the couch in the living room by myself. Joshua's upstairs playing computer games with his friends. He's about to get into our bed with Sarah and watch some Fear the Walking Dead for an hour. And then he will go to bed himself and read and Sarah will come back downstairs and we'll hang out. As I'm recording this, it's 8.24pm and Aston Villa are playing against Chelsea in the FA Cup fourth round replay. As you know, I'm an Aston Villa fan and the reason I'm recording late is because... I was watching the game. I was. I had loads of other jobs on and I've done stuff today, but I was watching the game and that distracted me. And now after just 20 minutes of play, we are two goals down and getting absolutely battered by Chelsea. You look like scoring five or six. And you know what? I've just had to sort of write it off. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll never get this done. And the FA Cup... It's not the biggest thing in the world. We're battering Chelsea in the league and I'd rather finish high up in the league and play in the Champions League next year. But, you know, getting beat by Chelsea in the FA Cup 2-0 after 20 minutes, it's not my favourite thing. The reason it's a replay is that we played them a week and a half ago and it ended 0-0, so you have to play the game again because there has to be a winner because it's a competition, a knockout competition. But... Um, they look like they've really turned up to win this week and we're getting absolutely battered, which is no fun at all. So putting football to the side, I've got loads of other stuff to talk to you about. I've actually spent an hour sitting here, aside from organising jobs and things I need to do still, I've been making notes for this podcast to make sure I had plenty to talk about. So today we should finish Singapore. I've got loads of other things to talk to you about. I am going to start by talking about the new limited edition McDonald's menu. They just launched a brand new menu, a set of items. I'm going to talk to you about what I think about the items and I'm going to delete them as we go because I've got um, pictures that I screenshotted from the from Facebook and then I airdropped them to my MacBook and now I'm going to delete them from my MacBook as I talk about them. So item number one on the menu is the Big Tasty. Now, Big tasty with bacon, but of course you can have it without bacon. Now, every time I have McDonald's, I order the same thing roughly. I usually will get... I hate myself for this, by the way, and I've been being healthy recently. But honestly, I always get three burgers. I get one of them as a meal, and I just have one set of fries, which I often don't eat. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And one drink, but I'll always get three burgers. Now, it used to be that I would get a... I think of McDonald's in two different ways. Like there's the premium burgers and then there's the kind of savor menu burgers. So the double cheeseburger, that's a savor menu burger. It's like £2.20 or something for one of those. So it used to be that I would get either a Big Mac meal or a quarter pound a meal. Um, basically just those two. Or uh, well, I'd get one of those and then I'd get two double cheeseburgers. Now I've made a bit of a step upwards, which is bad because I get two premium burgers and then a double cheeseburger. So I'll usually get a Big Mac and a quarter pounder and a double cheeseburger. And I'll get the Big Mac as a meal with a Diet Coke or a latte and off we go. It's bad. It's a lot of food. But 
recently the quarter pounder has been made into a double quarter pounder they've got the option on the menu the double quarter pounder so now i get a double quarter pounder a big mac and a double cheeseburger and that friends that's a lot of food that (laughs) that is a lot of food now i used to always get the big tasty when that was on the menu because it is a great burger it's a huge big old burger with tomato, cheese, lettuce, I think it has Big Mac sauce on it, something about it. It's kind of a it's kind of a double quarter pounder in some ways, size-wise, but with Big Mac sauce on. It's basically perfection. But one thing I have noticed, because they use big slices of beef tomato, is that it's not a great burger for driving. You can eat all of the other burgers when you're driving. Big Mac is the hardest out of all of them. But you can eat a double cheeseburger easy when you're driving. Because the main ingredients are the burger and the cheese. Everything kind of sticks together. Same, I guess, with a quarter pounder or even a double quarter pounder. Everything kind of sticks together. But the Big Mac, because of the extra bun in the middle, it slides around a bit. So the Big Mac can get away from you. You can end up eating a Big Mac and at least one of your burger patties or something can slip back out into the box You can't eat that when you're driving because you can't just hold it in your hand without worrying about mess. Same with the Big Tasty. The Big Tasty, you kind of have to hold it. You know when you hold a burger, but then you use your little fingers at the back underneath to clamp down on the back end. That's what happens with the Big Tasty. Either a slice of your beef tomato slipping out or you always end up eating a bit of the topping or a bit of something that should have been in that burger with your fingers at the end, with your two or three, three fingers and your thumb end up picking bits of that up. So the Big Tasty is a great burger. It's delicious. It's kind of perfection, but it is a messy one. It, it is going to fall apart and slip out of your hand while you're trying to eat it. So I'm glad to see the Big Tasty with bacon is back on the menu. I probably will have one at some point. It's not my go-to because of its messy factor. Next up, Kit Kat McFlurry. This is a tricky one for me. I don't mind a Kit Kat and I do like a McFlurry, but I don't really like stuff in my McFlurry that's biscuity. And a huge portion of the Kit Kat is biscuit. I like when you eat a Kit Kat and you bite around the edges and then you eat the biscuit by itself. It's a nice bit of biscuit. It's almost sweetened by the filling that it's got in it. But I don't know if a Kit Kat is a great compliment to a McFlurry. There's been loads of other McFlurries in the past. Nothing really for me has beaten the Dairy Milk or the Galaxy versions. Just plain old chocolate. But, you know... I'm sure it'll be all right. There's another McFlurry coming up, but I'm doing them in order that I screenshot them. Mozzarella dippers with a salsa. This is very much something Sarah would order. This is something that she, if we were driving, would say, can we go through McDonald's and maybe get some mozzarella dippers? She wouldn't say that. She would say something like, when was the last time you had McDonald's? <laughs> and I'd say, don't know, and she'd go, don't you fancy a double cheeseburger or something and I'd go well I could do that yeah maybe and I'd go what do you want she's like oh I don't know nothing really and then we get there and she lays it on me that she wants mozzarella dippers Sarah can never just say she wants something she does like you know what the whole team in Inception do where they basically get on the plane with uh, Killian Murphy and they put him to sleep and then they get into his brain through his dream and they plant the idea in his head like seven layers down in the dream so that when he wakes up, he thinks that it was his idea in the first place. That's how Sarah 
gets me to order food so that she feels like she only had it because I was having it. She never just goes, I really want mozzarella dippers. She puts the idea in my head that I want something from McDonald's. And then when we get there, she orders what she wanted the whole time. Mozzarella dippers is very, very much a Sarah order because it's not a burger, which she never normally eats. And it's cheese and it's biscuity. It's kind of, it's everything she would like. I guarantee we'll have mozzarella dippers at some point because she'll be the one who orders them. Uh, breakfast wrap with ketchup. My friend Taylor, this is right up his street. He, most days when I speak to him and I say, what have you eaten? He's either had a breakfast burrito or he's decided not to have one, but he thought about it and he talked himself out of it, but he wishes that he had it. He loves a breakfast burrito. Now, the breakfast wrap is kind of in that vibe. It's a plain old wrap, and inside of it appears to have a burger patty, which is kind of a mainstay, but it looks to be long. It's a good long length one, a bit like the McRib used to be. I think the McRib's coming back, by the way. They haven't sold it for like 12 years, but it's such a big part of my memories of McDonald's. I miss it. Um, but yeah, it's a long burger patty. It's an egg, which is kind of looks fried but very too perfectly it's like a disc of an egg uh, it's got cheese ketchup it's got bacon in it and it's got a hash brown personally I don't really dig on bacon I've told you all that a few times before but I would give that breakfast wrap a go it looks pretty good McDonald's breakfast is decent to be fair although they have scrapped the very best item which is of course the double sausage egg and cheese bagel the bagel was phenomenal the best item ever on McDonald's, no question. For some reason, they've got rid of it. I think that's a shame, but, you know, never mind. So the breakfast wrap, that's going to be worth a try. Three items left. Kit Kat Ruby Chocolate McFlurry. So this is a Kit Kat McFlurry, just like the other one, but it appears to have some sauce in it. I'm not actually sure what the Ruby element is. Kit Kat Ruby McFlurry. I'm going to see what the Ruby bit is. Is it raspberry sauce? When I was a kid, for some reason, they used to call raspberry sauce at the um, ice cream van monkey's blood. It would always be, do you want monkey's blood? And that meant raspberry sauce. I don't know why we called it that, but we did. It is raspberry sauce. Soft dairy ice cream swirled with ruby covered Kit Kat pieces, wafer pieces and topped with raspberry sauce. I knew it would be raspberry sauce. That, by the way, fuck me gently. A Kit Kat Ruby McFlurry regular size has got oh god no it was kilojoules i thought i was reading the calories it's got 325 calories of energy 325 calories you know for a mcflurry is not bad the mini version they do a small version is only 163 calories that's decent that you know i'm having that 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 to me is solid what's the big tasty the big tasty is 797 calories Big Taste with Bacon is 843 calories. Uh, the Mozzarella Dippers, 246 calories for three. 738 calories for nine. They do a share box as well. That's going to be dangerous. Oh, no, that's the nine. I thought it was going to be 20, like with the other thing. The Breakfast Wrap is 661 calories. Um, there's a Toffee Apple Donut. That's not on the uh, limited menu that I saw, but the toffee apple donut is 312 calories. That looks all right. 
Um, we're coming up to what my favourite item I think is going to be, but we're not quite there yet. So the Kit Kat Ruby McFlurry, I think the raspberry sauce will probably improve that a bit. I didn't think that it was going to be dry because it's a McFlurry, but, you know, I think a bit of sauce will help. Raspberry and white chocolate pie. This is an interesting one. Sarah's current go-to item whenever we go through a McDonald's. Usually I'll get a drink. Like the other night I w we went through and I just got a drink and Sarah got uh, apple pie. She loves McDonald's apple pie. And this new apple pie is raspberry and white chocolate pie. Crispy pink pastry filled with a smooth white chocolate ganache and raspberry compote. I mean, that sounds decent to me. That sounds like a pretty decent new item. I think Sarah would like that. I think I would. I'm just not sure. Sometimes you bite into a McDonald's apple pie and it's so hot that you burn your lip or something. And I don't really want to be injured by food. Now we come to the final item, the one that I'm actually excited for. And it is a McSpicy with Frank's Red Hot Sauce. Now I absolutely love Frank's Red Hot Sauce. Huge, huge fan of this. It's 493 calories, which is decent. Hot and spicy, 100% chicken breast in crispy coating with lettuce made with Emmental cheese, jalapenos, onions, and Frank's Red Hot Mayo in a sesame seed bun. That looks great. To me, I'm having that. It's got a McSpicy patty. I mean, all of this looks good. Frank's Red Hot Mayo. I don't know if you need the jalapeno in there as well. Bit of onion. It's raw onion as well, which I love on a burger. To me, that could be a great new item. I have to say, though, I think that chicken breast burger is a mistake. The other day, Sarah made some burgers. I had a little bite of hers. I enjoyed them so much that I wanted her to make them for me yesterday when I was eating. I've been fasting again. We'll come to that in a minute. And, um... They're from Lidl or Aldi or some supermarket. I'm not sure which one. I think Aldi. And they are chicken thigh burgers. They are honestly the nicest chicken burger I've ever tasted in my life. It's breaded. It's almost identical to KFC in the way that it feels and tastes and everything. And honestly, it's unreal. It's the nicest chicken burger I've ever tasted in my whole life. And I've eaten some chicken burgers in my time, let me tell you. But this one was the best. She put a bit of mayo and stuff on, um, lettuce, cheese, all that stuff. It was phenomenal. I had two of them. They were phenomenal. So I think that I wouldn't mind McDonald's maybe having a chicken burger that was thigh. I think thigh is much tastier than chicken breast. But that does look a class burger, to be fair. I might have to try that. Might have to do a big walk or something tomorrow and maybe get one of those burgers just to try it. I'd like to try the breakfast wrap as well. I sort of feel like trying McDonald's limited items is a bit of a science experiment. I take them, they sort of have to be done. When they bring out a new item, I really like McDonald's. I know it's weird and I know a lot of people say it's shite, but I actually... I'm a bit of a fan of McDonald's when they bring out a new item. I want to be able to say that I tried it and I want to be able to talk about it. I think it's kind of a, a pop culture thing. So some sometimes I've got hiccups. Sometimes when I see they've released a thing, I do really want to give it a go, to be fair. I feel like that about Coca-Cola as well. I feel like a bit of a Coca-Cola connoisseur. If they bring out a new item... 
I want to give it a bash. So I'm down for those. Now I've picked up proper hiccups, so I'm going to have to pause for a sec and hold my breath. Otherwise, they'll never go away. Hang on. All right, hiccups sorted. I don't know what techniques you all use for getting rid of hiccups, but for me, holding my breath is the only thing that ever works. I get hiccups a lot when I eat spicy food. Uh, it turns out I also get hiccups when I talk about it. So anyway, McSpicy, that to me sounds like it's going to be a great item. I want to give it a try. I'm a bit obsessed with McDonald's and with uh, Coca-Cola and big brands like that. And I like to just, to me, not trying stuff. It's like not watching a movie, you know, when a big movie comes out. I feel like I missed out in the same way. So um, I want to try those things. That's the new McDonald's menu. What else has been going on? I just watched a cool video of Ryan Gosling and he was... It was with uh, Vanity Fair or some mag- or Variety or some magazine like that. And they gave him cue cards with lines that he'd said in movies. And he had to try and remember or guess which movie he said that line in. And he didn't know that many of them, which was quite funny. But it reminded me of some of my favourite Ryan Gosling movies. And if you haven't seen them, you have to see uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Place Beyond the Pines is my favourite Ryan Gosling movie. It's absolutely great. It's well worth watching. He's so cool in it. He's so hot in it. He's just an absolute hero. So do check out Place Beyond the Pines. I think that is uh, worth taking a look at. Now, a couple of other things. I... Saw a post today on TikTok that makes, and I am doing TikTok again, which I'll come back to, which makes me think there's a very, very, very solid chance that I have ADHD. Now, of course, we all know I have Asperger's already, but I think I might have ADHD too. Sarah told me that apparently having both is incredibly common. I never thought of myself as someone who has ADHD before because... Usually when I have met people with ADHD, it's children and they are, you know, often it's a label given to kids that are quite problematic or naughty. And I was never really like that, but I did have some certain things that I would react to as a kid, but I always sort of put them down to Asperger's. But things that are common in ADHD, it says are interrupting. I do that all the time. (laughs) Uh, auditory processing challenges, which is kind of that thing I was talking about where Sarah will say things and I just haven't heard it at all. I knew she spoke, but I didn't pick up on what she said. Oversharing, which, I mean, hey, friends. (laughs) Asking incredibly deep questions and difficulty maintaining personal space. They all track with me incredibly closely. And then it was saying that there are two types of ADHD. And I thought, I match a lot of things on both of these lists, so maybe I'm wrong. But then I read the next page and it said that people with ADHD have all of these things, but they are phases. They're two different types of ADHD. There's regulated and there's dysregulated. And people with it transfer between both multiple times a day. But very rarely are both things happening at the same time. And I thought, yeah, this to me... I think of these two things as kind of moods. They're both moods that I get into. And so this is what really tagged with me. So in the regulated ADHD, you've got creativity, empathy, curiosity, advocating for other people, enthusiasm, spontaneity, hyper-focus, offbeat humor, innovation, intuition, self-expression, active listening, leadership, and passion and drive. Every single one of those things 
to me, describes a mood that I'm in often. That, that's like, to me, all of those things are my positive side. Every single thing in there is like what I feel like when I'm being positive. And then dysregulated ADHD is being overwhelmed, being reckless, oversharing, emotional flooding, sensitivity, sudden anger, irregular eating, forgetfulness, anxiety, being glued to the couch, spiraling, analysis paralysis, and scattered attention. And also erectile dysfunction. Now, erectile dysfunction is the only thing on that list that I don't generally have. But they all, to me, sound like things that I experience when I'm in a, a bit of a downer. And so I wonder if what I've always thought of as positivity or negativity mood-wise is actually regulated and dysregulated ADHD because they both perfectly chime. And when I'm feeling something in one category, I can look and say, yeah, I'm never feeling anything in the other category and vice versa. And then there's a thing that says how to regulate ADHD. And it's things that people with ADHD generally respond positively to. And one of them is listening to binaural beats or, you know, essentially just noise. And I definitely enjoy that. I frequently, as you all now know, will put on the sound of just rain, literally just the sound of rain. I find incredibly uh, centering, like calming, running and sports. I mean, I'm banging to running, of course, in the Peloton. Uh, long, firm hugs. I always hug everyone too tightly and for too long. Uh, cold water therapy. I really responded to that when I bought the ice bath. Sensory cocooning. Again, I love to turn off all the lights and just be in that sound of rain. Uh, barefoot earthing. I am always barefooted. I'm the only person in this house who does that. Sarah and Joshua both wear slippers all the time. I cannot wait to get my socks off when I get in the house. I never walk around in socks or shoes. I'm barefooted almost all of the time, unless I'm outside. So it's really weird to me that all of those things are things I seek out and ways I behave. And I think that I never think it's a great idea to self-diagnose, but I also think that every single thing in all of those lists matches me perfectly. And so I'd be incredibly surprised if I wasn't, if I tried to be diagnosed with ADHD because they all are essentially perfect for my personality uh, or rather what I've always seen as my personality, but turns out possibly to be my condition. <laughs> I'm pouring another drink. Just Pepsi Max, though. That's funny, isn't it, that I was saying that I love Coca-Cola as a brand, but actually I do prefer Pepsi Max as a drink, um, but only because I really like the taste of Coca-Cola, but it's so unhealthy, and I don't prefer the taste of Coke Zero or Diet Coke. I don't mind them, but if you're going to have a zero-calorie, that kind of drink... Pepsi Max is way better than Diet Coke and Coke Zero, but regular Coca-Cola is better than Pepsi Max, but you can't drink that because it's too unhealthy. So I'm drinking Pepsi Max. I like Pepsi as a brand as well, though. I think they have a nice logo, especially their old-fashioned ones. Okay, so uh, things have been going well. 
I've had a lot of nice things happen. And I'm, I, I heard recently uh, Salman Rushdie, the famous author, and many other things. But Salman Rushdie said in his book about creativity and writing that there are no good stories about, there are no compelling stories about people who are happy, which, you know, I think is probably true. I've just flicked back over to see the score and we're at half time now and it's still 2-0. But yeah, he said there are no compelling stories about people who are happy. So forgive me, I guess, if what I'm about to tell you is boring. But I think after all the stuff that's gone on, it's quite nice that a few things have happened that have made me happy. <laughs> so obviously Sarah is no longer feeling the effects of the medication she was taking or anything like that. And she has found, again, a huge leap of positivity. She's been in the paper because of donating money through work to charity to the Rosemere Centre, which was part of the people that looked after her when she was unwell. Um, she's had good meetings at work about, you know, her future in the job. She's passed a course that she's been doing and we're going to be going to London for her to get a qualification, like her, her certificate and, you know, get it presented to her by the bosses. So everything in the Sarah camp is brilliant. Everything with Joshua with regards to school has really come up roses. Kids that he was having problems with have been kicked out or suspended. Kids in his class that, you know, are annoying, he doesn't care about. Joshua has a tremendous amount of uh, fortitude and everything that was annoying him at school has worked out and he's been really getting on with his work. He's got a nice group of friends. That's just come up roses too. So, and obviously Doc is a dog, so he just cracks on really with life. I don't know if if you can say a dog has moods. He's just always ready to go for a walk. He's always ready to be given a bone. He's always ready to be tickled and hug you. He's always ready to have a nap. Dogs are just, you know, they're great, aren't they? You don't really have to worry about how your dog feels. As long as you're nice to your dog, your dog is basically happy. So that leaves me. And lots of good little things have happened to me. I got given some parking fines. I don't know if I told you about this the other week, but I got given some parking fines because of driving in the ULEZ zone. If you don't know what ULEZ is, U-L-E-Z, it stands for Ultra Low Emissions Zone. And anyone in the UK will know what I mean, but for those who aren't from the UK, around the London area, the greater London area, Anywhere that you drive your car, you there's two zones. There's the LEZ, the L-E-Z, the low emission zone, and the ultra low emission zone. And in the L-E-Z zone, most cars that are not over 20 years old are okay. But in the ultra low emission zone, basically, if you don't have an electric car, you get charged £12.50 a day for driving in those zones because of the emissions your car makes and they're trying to bring down pollution and improve the air quality in the Greater London area. I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's a fine thing, you know. But, and a lot of people who live in those zones have gotten electric cars and the Mayor of London did a scrappage scheme where he was basically helping people to get rid of their cars and get... Um, electric cars and stuff, and there was a financial incentive. And for most people, I think, it went a long way to getting them to do it. And so most people who live in that zone now drive electric cars, and they do not pay anything for driving them around there because you don't get a penalty. Anyway, three times in two weeks, 
I drove in the ultra-low emission zone. And I misunderstood how it worked. I thought that you got charged the £12.50 via a letter or an email later, you know, because of your registration. Turns out you have to register your car to drive in those areas and then you pay the £12.50 because you're registered and there's a way to charge you already set up. If you're not registered, you... I'm going to actually put this on my to-do list. Register for ULEDs because I'm going to be driving to uh, Heathrow this weekend. So what did happen was I got a fine of £180 Per time I'd driven there, which meant that my total fines, £180, by the way, £180 times three. So my total fine was £540, which is a shit ton of money, by the way. Now, if I paid it quickly, you get all of those fines halved. So it would mean that I would pay £90 per time, which is, of course, £270 total. But I thought, I'm not having this. I didn't understand that was going to happen. I don't feel I was warned appropriately enough when I was driving into those zones. And basically, I'm not paying £270. It's just not happening. So I decided to write an email and I looked up how to argue with the fines. And when I logged into the website to do that, Fortunately, when you typed in one fine, all of them came up. Every fine that was registered against your car came up. So I was presented with three separate fines, but all within the same system. So when I messaged them, I was able to argue about all three all at the same time. And I essentially wrote an email that made us sound like a pair of potless simpletons. (laughs) (laughs) Like we basically were absolutely skint, which is not untrue, and made it sound like we didn't really know what we were doing and we might both be a bit thick. And I wrote that email and, you know, it had factual things in it, but I also made it sound like I didn't really know my ass from my elbow and that I just needed some help. And I was incredibly polite. I didn't know how it would work out, of course, But two days ago, I got a letter through the post and the Transport for London decided to exercise their discretion and completely let me off with all three fines. They were entirely eradicated. They did make a point of saying, but we now consider you to be fully informed on what the ULEZ is, when you'll have to pay it and what it will mean for you if you are fined again. So we will not let you off again in future. But on these three occasions, as they all happen together, you are entirely released from your obligation. You don't even have to pay the original fine. Just consider it sorted. So that was a huge relief. I'm thrilled because on the day those three letters came and they all arrived on the same day, by the way, I read them and I just was at my wits end. I thought, I can't believe this. There are so many shitty things happening that... I can't bear it. My car needed an MOT and that's going to cost a thousand pound, by the way, because of the repairs it needs. So, you know, I could have done with some luck and I'm glad I finally got some. So I got let off with the parking fines. My car is in for its MOT right now. It's costing a thousand pound. But my mechanic, who I know really well, he knows that I... Um, haven't been working much for two months and he knows I'm about to go to Nashville and all that. And so he literally gave me the option. He called me and he said, right, the car needs quite a bit of stuff doing. And he gave me the list and he went, it's going to be a thousand pound 
I understand that your MOT is going to run out while you're away next week. So it needs doing. But I also get it like, you know, you're always all right. You always pay. If you haven't got the money to pay this thing, uh, you can pay me when you get back from Nashville or whatever, when you've got it, which came as a bit of a relief, to be fair, because I do have the money to pay that. But I also could do with holding back a little bit. You know, when I get back from Nashville and stuff, I'm going to have been paid from an all right gig and I'm going to have American money, which I'll have to change back into English money. But I, I could do with not necessarily delving into the nest egg. There's a lot to pay for. So him offering me that option was not only incredibly kind and thoughtful, but actually fairly handy. I could do with not knocking out a grand on getting the car fixed right now today. So... That was good news. Even though it was expensive, good news came along with it. So I was pleased. Um, I've bought a camera. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I'm knocking out cash. I've bought one of those cameras, but I actually I'm growing as a person because I've bought... There's a TV program on in front of me, which is Johnny Cash Carry On Glamping. And it looks like Sarah would absolutely love this. So I'm going to record it. I'm going to record the series because I've seen some really interesting camper vans or glamper vans on the screen. And I think uh, Sarah would really dig that. There was like a camper van that was made out of an old American school bus. So um, I think she'll be quite into that. I've had to turn it on to a different channel again, so I'm not distracted. Anyway, so I've bought this camera, the DJI Osmo Pocket 3. And it looks insane. You all know this camera. It's the one that's like a little handheld thing, like almost a stick with a camera lens is on its own tiny gimbal. And you can have it spin round. It does all this different cool stuff. It's just basically an absolutely sick camera for vlogging. And it takes pictures and it does all sorts of great stuff. And I wanted to start vlogging again. But one of the things that put me off was that when I tried to vlog on the ship the other week with the uh, Sony ZV-1, which is a fantastic vlogging camera, if you've got a gimbal and if you can be bothered, like you have to flip the screen out to its side. So it looks amazing. The footage is first class, but it's quite hefty to carry. And when you want to film stuff that's around, you have to like turn the entire camera around. This kind of does a bit of everything. It's a bit like the GoPro and its ease of use. The fact that it turns on quickly and just starts recording instantly, it kind of fixes all the problems that the Zony ZV-1 had, but without any of the drop in quality. And so it's like a mix between the GoPro and that together. It's just ideal. It's perfect. But I didn't want to just spend six or seven hundred pound on a camera the camera itself is just short of 500 but if you buy the creator bundle you get like an external battery that you can it was basically a handle extension but it gives it loads of extra battery life and a tripod and uh, nd filters and all this extra stuff tons of extra value like 300 quids worth of extra shit but for 150 quid so they obviously make it worth buying the creator bundle which is 600 and odd pound so i bought that but I've sold my Sony ZV-1. I've sold a Canon camera that I've got. I sold a Canon lens that I've got. And I basically covered most of the price of the new camera by selling other cameras that I wasn't going to use. And so I think that's me growing as a person because normally I just hold on to stuff. 
I haven't sold the Insta360 camera that takes the circular, like tiny planet photos. And I haven't sold my own GoPro because I'm going to find cool ways to use that. Maybe sticking it in the car again with a little holder and recording myself chatting on drives and stuff. That camera was really good for that. So I might start doing that again and using that in vlogs and start vlogging again. I don't know. But uh, either way, I'm really chuffed with this camera and I sold cameras to pay for it so that nobody can have a go at me. Right, let's talk about weight loss. Started losing weight again um, eight, eight days ago. Yeah, eight days ago. This is day nine, technically. Um, I've lost 12 pounds so far. I've been TikToking again. I've been cycling again. I haven't run yet, but I do need to start running again because I've got a race booked in Nashville next weekend. So I do need to get a few miles in the legs. I did walk a half marathon though, two days, uh, sorry, a marathon two days ago. I'm so used to saying half marathon because I ran one. I walked a full marathon, 26.2 miles. It took all day. It was, uh, to Monday, it was Monday I did it. Monday, I set off a quarter to 10 in the morning and I walked 13.1 miles straight off. Then I had a bath for two hours and then I went back out and I walked four and a half miles. So that takes me up to 17 and a half. Then I took the dog out for a walk for uh, four and a half, five miles which takes me up to 22 and a half. And then I walked, oh no, 23 I was on. And then I went out and I walked the last few miles to get me up to 26.2 miles. And um, it was a lot. I was sore, my feet were hurting, picked up a few scratches and bumps and, uh, you know, blisters. But I was pleased that I did it. 26.2 miles is no mean feat. All told, it was eight hours and two minutes of walking, but it was spread over 12 hours. I had four hours of break scattered in the middle. But I'm glad that I did it. And it was just a bit of a break from the Peloton because I'd cycled every day for a week and I just felt like doing something a bit different. So I've lost 12 pounds. I've done exercise every day. I really feel like I'm getting back on track. I know I said last week like I was starting and I was going to, but I've actually stuck to it. So my current weight is 20 stone five. My figures are that my worst ever weight is obviously 24 stone. My best ever weight is 15 stone two. So right now I'm five stone and three pounds over my best ever weight. By next week, or hopefully by Nashville, I'll get this little bit off and I'll get back into the 19s. And then I'll only feel like, oh, in four stone, I'll be back in the same bracket of, you know, 15 stone. So there's work to do, but I feel positive about it. I really do feel positive about it. And I've not, not enjoyed it. Um... The fasting has been okay. Once you get the first day out of the way, you know, it's really, really okay. The first day is kind of everything. Once you get through the first one, everything just feels a bit easier. So I did that and I've done plenty of exercise, but I do need to start running again. I kind of felt like it a bit today, to be honest. I felt like going for a little run today, but I didn't. I uh, did the Peloton instead, but I am feeling like running again. So maybe I will. But I also feel like tomorrow I might peloton and do quite a decent walk. So because I've got jobs to do tomorrow as well. I've got to get the car back from the MOT, obviously. Um, I've got to go possibly to Bolton and buy some shirts because they didn't have the ones that I need in the store where I live. So I've got things that I'm trying to do and I'm trying to achieve, but I am back on track. Posted a video on TikTok this week that got uh, 487 
thousand views, which is pretty good. I've got some TikTok earnings stacking up now. It's saying that I'm going to earn £175 this month, which if it happens and they actually pay me, it would be amazing. I'm on the new beta creative program where if you post videos over a minute long and people watch them, you make quite a bit of money. So that'd be good if it happens. Um, and I've been enjoying doing TikTok, which is kind of what's attracted me back to the thought of vlogging a bit again. You know, maybe I'll start filming my TikToks on this camera and then transfer them to my phone and, you know, edit them that way and put them on TikTok and have a bit of a better production quality. But to be honest, just filming direct in the TikTok app does make it very easy. I don't do any edits at all. I just film straight in the TikTok app and throw the stuff up there and it makes it very easy to be consistent with it. Who knows? But I really do want to get back to running. I obviously love running. Uh, Matthew, who listens to the podcast regularly, hey Matt, uh, has been running as well and been doing really, really well. So I'm very pleased for him. And just keep going, man. Just keep running. The more you do it, the easier it gets. It really, really is just miles in the legs. And I've also really started to understand the VO2 max and how that affects you. And your VO2 max will just climb the more and more you run. So you just need to keep running, man. You cannot stop. As soon as you give in, it gets harder again. One of the things that's putting me off running again is that I've had such a big break and I know how hard it'll be. And knowing that I was capable of running a 26 and a half minute 5K like two months ago and that now, less than two months ago, five or six weeks ago, and that now I'm going to really struggle is honestly a bit of a bummer. So I wish I'd kept going, but never mind. Uh, the pain in my armpit that I was moaning about the other week has gone. I don't feel that anymore. It is. Uh, it was slowly calming down over the last couple of weeks. Whether the nerve, uh, whether the nerve is released, or maybe the fasting or something has been part of it, or you know, just being healthy again. Maybe I had. Maybe I picked up type two diabetes, or maybe something. But whatever I've changed has meant that that pain has just slowly gone and gone and gone to the point that now I don't even think about it. Other than that, I remind myself: Can I feel that? And I. Can't so that's been very positive. Uh, I've booked parking for this weekend or for the whole trip when we're going to be away in America. I didn't want to pay the £130 to park at Heathrow. So I went on the parking app that I haven't used for ages where you just park on somebody's drive, you know, and they look after your car for you. I found parking for 10 days for £45 and I read the guy's reviews and it's all like flight crew and stuff from Heathrow. So it looks really good. And I've booked this guy's drive for 45 quid right next to Heathrow who lives near it. So that's a dream. I've also booked a hotel for us to stay near Heathrow the night before so that we're not stressed getting down the next morning and I managed to get that on the motorway for just 35 quid so I've really saved a lot of money parking and the hotel 80 quid when just parking would have been 140 and I'd have had to drive down on the morning of which is stressful so I'm really thrilled that I managed to get all of those things sorted I've still got a ton of jobs to do but None of them are that stressful. Some of them I'm actually looking forward to. Like I'm going to order some printing and stuff tonight. I need to do a bit of design work for it. But I'm going to order some printing and stuff to uh, do my show while I'm away in Nashville. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to working on those things in a minute. It's going to be great. Um, I'm just going to have another little sip. And then I'm going to finish by telling you about the last day in Singapore. I don't need to save anything for next week. Because I'm going to be away 
and I'm sure with being in Nashville, there's going to be plenty to talk about. So, uh, let me just message Sarah and tell her that I have about 15 mins left and I'm good. Let me just check the football score as well. <coughs> uh, need to get the right channel. It is now... Oh, for fuck's sake. Chelsea have literally just scored. Uh, I've turned over to see them scoring and it is 3-0. So... I mean, that's it. Game's over. There's no chance that Aston Villa are coming back. Oh, that's a great free kick, to be fair. Top corner. There is no chance that Villa are coming back. Oh, Martinez got his hand on it as well. No chance we're coming back from a 3-0 in the second half of an FA Cup. It's not even like we weren't bothered. We've put out a strong team. We definitely were looking to win it. Um, but, you know, it's 3-0. Game over. Okay. So, um, let me just have a look. Oh, yeah, okay. So, the woman who was annoying me, I'm not sure how much of this I told you last week, but essentially I was sitting next to a mother and daughter. The daughter was about uh, 25, 30, and really nice and chatty with me. And then at some point... The woman who, another woman on the plane that was friends with her mum, they'd met on the cruise, came over and started chatting and they decided to swap seats. And the girl sitting next to me had been really pleasant and done quite a bit of sleeping. She went and slept in this other woman's seat and this other woman came and sat next to me. She did nothing but talk, nudge my elbow, cheer whenever she won on fucking bejeweled blitz on the airport screen, order loads of drinks, just generally be obnoxious and annoying, constantly need the toilet and wake me up. She just fully pissed me off. The worst person I've ever sat next to on a plane in my whole life. Literally so annoying. When we first got on the plane, Sarah and I weren't sitting next to each other because the crews had booked the seats for us so you don't get to choose and you frequently end up sitting by yourself. So... I saw the two seats and Sarah always lets me pick who do I want to sit next to. And I saw this very small, you know, 25, 30 year old woman. And I saw in the seat behind where I could sit next to this slightly bigger, older guy. And I thought, well, obviously I'm going to sit next to the smaller woman because it'd be more comfortable. And Sarah can more comfortably sit next to the older guy. Turned out the older guy and his wife were quite big fans of mine because they'd seen me on the ship and they'd asked Sarah, like, oh, is the magician your husband? And, you know, they'd said they'd loved my show and were perfectly pleasant. They never got up to the toilet a single time. They slept most of the flight, could have sat next to them and left Sarah sitting next to this arsehole. But instead, I sat next to this arsehole and Sarah was a lot more comfortable than me. <laughs> on planes is the one place where I will put myself in a more comfortable position than Sarah because she's a woman and she's smaller than me. And so generally we just choose to sit next to opposite people. I'll sit next to a smaller person and she'll sit next to a bigger person. And it's just the way we always roll. In this way, I actually lost out with that, but never mind. Uh, this woman was really annoying. Then sitting opposite me across the aisle was a guy who was literally moaning about everything. In front of him was a woman who put her seat down to go to sleep and he tried to get the flight crew to tell her to put her seat back up. And when they said, don't be ridiculous, you can't, he was absolutely kicking off. 
He then moaned about his meal and ended up getting a meal from first class instead. Even though he wasn't sitting in first class, he got a first class meal because he kicked off about his own meal so much. He only had the same as everyone, chicken curry or whatever it always is, but he was absolutely fuming. He moaned about everything. Then I went back to the galley to just stretch my legs and I ended up chatting to the um, guy that was working there. And somehow he knew that I was kind of staff. I don't know how he knew, but he said to me, are you on here for work? And I went, yeah. And we, so we got chatting and we had quite a candid chat. And he told me that he thought the guy who was moaning about everything was a right arsehole. I went up to him and I said, <laughs> I said, is it some sort of uh, air association rules that if a passenger admits that they're going to commit a crime, you have to do something about it. And he says, what kind of crime are we talking? And I said, I'm going to kill the woman sitting next to me. And he laughed. And then that kind of broke the ice and we had a right old chat. I ended up standing talking to him for about half an hour. It really made the time go for me a little bit, which was quite nice. So he was moaning about everything. and He was fuming about the woman sitting next to him. I don't know why. It's just life in it. You have to accept that when you're on a long flight the person in front of you is very likely going to put their seat back it's just what happens it's just the law of the jungle people put their seats back on the plane anyway then I'm judging that same woman because when I get the meal I will eat the in-flight meal but then I kind of play a game with myself where I try to pack away the rubbish from the in-flight meal in the most tidy and sort of Dexter serial killer way possible because when I hand the tray back to the air host or whoever they are I want them to basically look at me in a way that tells me that they think I'm a good boy so I'll take the the foil lid off the water drink you always get and I'll save that because I know that stuff like you know you get that clear packet that you have to take your cutlery out of and you usually get a clear packet for something else they don't scrunch up, do they? And your napkin doesn't scrunch up properly either. But if you scrunch all of those things tight and then wrap the foil packet around them and then scrunch that, all of it will stay together tight in a little ball. And then you can put that inside of something else. And I just make a little game of fitting everything together so that, or, or the foil lid from your meal, your hot meal, I'll use that to scrunch all the loose packing it, packaging into a tiny little ball. And I just really try to make everything neat. And then I look at other people's trays and the tray is such a mess that they try to hand it to the person. And one of those packets that I'm on about will fall off because the wind resistance blows it off the tray and everything's just everywhere. I hate it. I really want to pack mine as neatly as I possibly can. And the woman um, sitting opposite me, hers was a nightmare. And then the woman sitting in front of me, she tried to open her fruit thing and a fruit went everywhere there's melon at my feet I've literally got bits of melon all around my feet and I don't know what to do with them so I just sort of kicked them back underneath her chair um because I didn't want the flight crew to come along and think that it was my melon you know I didn't want them to think that I'd spilt my fruit and that it was on the floor but I also didn't want to pick up this strange woman's fruit either because then I'd have to put it into my tray and there wasn't a place for it to go. And I couldn't eat it because it had been on the floor and I couldn't hand it back to this woman because what the fuck she going to do with it? So I just kicked it under the chair where nobody could see it and I thought, yeah, that's that dealt with. That's, you know, that's how you do it, isn't it? Um, and then we finished the flight at last after 14 and a half hours. Let me just have a sip of my drink. 
I'm fasting today and hunger has kind of just struck me. It's been all right, but it's just hit me and I am feeling quite hungry. Um, anyway, so we finished the flight and we got off the plane straight through security and all that. Everything's fine. And we are walking towards the train because we're getting the train back to Preston and then getting a taxi back to the house. And we get in this lift and when the doors open for the lift, there's a woman standing in there and she's probably in her 30s, 40s. She is standing there with a kind of um, trolley with two suitcases on it. And when the door opens, she's just standing there. So we get in. And when you get in the lift, there are only three buttons. One of the... Ah, maybe there must have been four because there must have been a door open button. But there's like a button to close the door and then there's a button that says one and there's a button that says two. So there's only two floors for this lift because it's the two floors of the Terminal 3 at Manchester Airport and we need to go up to the next floor. But when we get in, this woman's already standing there. So my only assumption has got to be that... The doors have just closed and we've pressed the button to open them and they've opened and she's standing there waiting to go up to the top floor. So we get in and we press the button for floor two and the lift goes up and we get back out and the woman doesn't get out. She presses the button and the doors close again. Where is she trying to go to? Because the only place she can be going is back down to the floor that we just came from. So now I want to know how long has she been standing in that lift? Because there's only two places you can go. There's the floor we're on and the floor we've just been on. And she's been on both of them with us, but she stayed in the lift. I've thought about that every day since we've got home and wondered if she's still in there. And she's thinking eventually this will go to a different floor. And she hasn't noticed that there's only two buttons. I just honestly, I don't know what to think. It's really quite mad. But she did stay in there and Sarah and I walked off. We both looked at each other and Sarah went... Where's she trying to go? <laughs> and I agreed and sort of thought the same. So there you go. Very weird times. But, you know, that's what sometimes happens in a lift in, uh, in Manchester Airport. So, friends, that is going to bring us to the end of this week's podcast. The time, as I now record, is uh, 9.24. Next week, when I record, we'll be in Nashville. We've got a massive list of great places that we want to eat, so expect some sort of uh, food diary. Maybe that's what I should make the first vlog about, amazing food in Nashville. Maybe I could make one about that and one about the gig or something. I don't know. I'm going to try and do something, though. Uh, I hope you're all well. Thanks for continuing to listen. And uh, I've been continuing to make. I've found that, maybe I talked about this last week, but I've found that part of getting myself back to positivity and kind of the health kick and all that, part of it has been reconnecting with the other things that I did when I was at my best, you know, making coffee, listening to records, going running or cycling, obviously the fasting and stuff, but other things that surround that, like recording this podcast, kind of being creative, 
Um, all of those things tie in to an overall mentality that allows you to succeed inside of things that are difficult, like weight loss and fasting and exercise and all of that. When you've got a general all-round positivity because you're surrounding yourself with activities and things that you enjoy, um, I, I think that helps. So I've been kind of reconnecting with my old self and the things that that person enjoyed in order to reconjure that person back to existing. And it's kind of worked. I've had a really positive week. And, you know, law of attraction says that positivity draws in more positivity. And it, that is kind of what's happened. I'll tell you what, I've just flicked the football back on because, you know, I know what I'm saying. And then I'm kind of just riffing now. I'm not looking at a list of subjects or anything from my notes. Um, Chelsea are playing really well here and Villa are not playing that well. But Cole Palmer, who plays for Chelsea, is an absolute prospect, you know. That is some player. Cole Palmer is like Chelsea's Phil Foden or our Jacob Ramsey. He's absolutely just class. Scoring goals, getting assists left, right and centre. He's probably wasted at Chelsea, but if Chelsea are going to have a rebuild and become a, you know, a force to be reckoned with team again, Cole Palmer is absolutely going to be at the centre of that because he is class. Anyway, and he's having a great game tonight as well. Um, yeah, so that's it. If you enjoyed any part of this podcast, don't forget, it does really, really, really help to see your messages and hear from you. So send me a message. If you've never sent me one before, especially, but if you have messaged me before, do it again and just say, hey, man, have a great week. Wish me luck for next week or whatever. Just check in and say hello. It makes all the difference in the world. It's always nice to hear from you all. Stay well, friends. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week. Bye, everyone.